Come and see. It's to, to, this, it's to this world. It's to people like this and to a world that I don't think is just that drastically different from 2013. That John the Apostle saw someone. And that's what we talked about last week. That John saw. He saw the glory. He saw the glory of Jesus. He saw the, the divine mode of being. In the, in the Bible, glory is only used of God. And so when, when he sees the glory the only begotten son, he, he's seeing God. And he's trying to describe that and tell us about that. So he saw divine honor and divine splendor and divine power, divine radiance, magnificence, royal splendor, majesty, majestic power. And he, and he saw not just with his physical eyes, John saw also with, the, a, with a spiritual eye, the eyes of his heart, so when he sees the splendor, majesty of Jesus, he's looking beneath the skin. He's seeing into the bigger picture of what's going on. So John saw the glory of Jesus. And, the, and, the, and his confidence grew. God, God's doing something on the planet for all of humanity and for the rest of human history. And so he's he trying to describe, I, I saw... I saw this one that was born of an earthly mother, Mary, but also this only unique, the monogenes. There's no one like Jesus. There never will be like, there's nobody like him. He's a unique individual, begotten of God. Dual citizenship, however you want to say it. And he saw that he's full of grace. He's full of graciousness. He's full of attractiveness. He's, he's full of truth. He's full of dependability. He's reliable. And, and as, he lo- as he saw, he saw that glory, he, he saw God. And so he's able to say, you know, I've, I, I, I like every other human being that ever came to a point of believing that there was a creator, wondered what that creator looked like. And with these eyes of my heart, I saw God. Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God. Well, John, the apostle, the fisherman, the son of Zebedee, the brother James, he's not the only one that saw the glory. John the Baptist did as well. And so as you read this account in the Gospel of John, it really brings me to a question I want to ask us. And I want you to remember the world that we live in, and I want you to remember the world that Jesus was born into, and I want to ask us this question. What do we do when we see Jesus with the confidence that He is who He is? That He is who He reveals Himself to be. What do we do? As that confidence grows within us, Oh, he is the only begotten Son of God. Oh, he is the Lamb of God. Oh, he is the Messiah. Oh, he is. What do we do with that? Well, the answer to that question, I think, is found in the story that we're reading. So John chapter 1, verse 35 to 39 is where we'll begin. On the following day, John the Baptist was standing... With two of his disciples, he looked straight at Jesus as Jesus walked along, and John the Baptist said, There is the Lamb of God. 
Now again, those are, that's, he's seeing beneath the skin. He's seeing the bigger story. He's looking at a man, but he sees something, and there is the, there's the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what John said and followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned around, and when he saw them following him, he spoke to them, what do you want? And they said, Master, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come and see. Come and see. So this story is this movement toward Jesus. It starts with John seeing. And once John sees, he makes an announcement. His announcement is, there is the Lamb of God. In the Old Testament, and then it's carried over in the New Testament as well, especially in Hebrews, sin appears as the destructive power that deceives humanity and leads humanity to destruction, whose influence and activity can be ended only by sacrifices. When John says, there is the Lamb of God, his declaration is, finally there's going to be the solution to the destructiveness of sin in humanity. Here is the final sacrifice, this this sacrifice that's promised, that's really going to deal with the problem of sin with humans. Those that heard that announcement were really intrigued by that, so they followed Jesus. And then Jesus sees these two disciples that are inquisitive, and he invites them, come and see. In John chapter 1, verse 40 to 42, we find out the aftermath. They come and see, and what happens? They see Jesus for who he is. One of the two men who had heard what John said and had followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He went straight off and found his brother Simon and told him, We found the Messiah, meaning, of course, Christ. And Andrew brought Peter, Simon, to Jesus. And Jesus looked steadily at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. From now on your name is Cephas, that is Peter, meaning a rock. So again, momentum, movement toward Jesus. Andrew, having seen, finds his brother. And then Andrew makes an announcement. We found the Messiah. We found the anointed one. We found the Christ in Greek, Messiah in Hebrew. He's, he's the one, as the, as the Old Testament says, he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. The anointed one is the king. We've found the king. The coming king is here. And Andrew brings Simon to Jesus. And notice that Jesus looks at him. And then Jesus speaks a few life-changing words to Simon. Changes the course of his life. And it doesn't stop there. It continues kind of this second movement. John 43 to 46. The following day, Jesus decided to go into Galilee. And Jesus found Philip. 
And Jesus said to Philip, follow me. Philip was a man from Bethsaida, the town that Andrew and Peter came from. Now Philip found Nathanael and told him, We've discovered the man whom Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets wrote too. He is Jesus, the son of Joseph, and comes from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? retorted Nathanael. Philip, come and see. Jesus finds Philip. I'm wondering if Philip might be the second of the two disciples of John that followed on that first encounter. But notice that Jesus, having found him, says, come, come, follow me. And once Philip follows him, then he goes and finds Nathaniel, a friend. And then he makes an announcement. You notice there's kind of a theme here. People running into Jesus, making announcements about what they see. We've discovered the man whom Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets wrote too. He's Jesus. So the Old Testament writes about an anointing, anointed priest. There's going to be a priest that's going to come along. There's going to be a king that comes along. So now what they're saying is, what, what we've read in the Old Testament, what we've, we've been promised, it's come true. It's come true in this person, Jesus. Did you notice that Nathaniel qu- questioned the announcement? Can anything good? Did you notice that Philip didn't answer him? Didn't enter into debate about, yes, something good could come out of it? No. He just said, why don't you come check it out yourself? Come with me. Let's go. Come on. Bring your question. Let's go see Jesus. And Jesus comes towards Jesus. Verse 47 to 51. And Jesus says to him, Now here is a true man of Israel. There is no deceit in him. And Nathaniel said, How can you know me? We've never met. How can you know me? How can you know that about me? When you were under the fig tree, replied Jesus, before Philip called you, I saw you. At which Nathanael exclaimed, Master, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus said, do you believe in me because I said I'd seen you underneath that fig tree? Come on. You're going to see something greater than that. Believe me, I tell you, all that you will, all of you will see heaven wide open and God's angels ascending and descending around the Son of Man. So things continue to happen like we've been reading. Jesus sees Nathaniel. Jesus speaks like to Peter. He speaks life-changing words to Nathaniel. Changes the course of his life. And then Nathanael gives the final announcement. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Now my reading started with a question. You know, what do we do once we have seen? But for our community, I, I just, I got to start, yeah, I got to start there. Do we really see Do we see Jesus for who Jesus is? We need to personalize that. 
Have you seen Jesus? Did someone bring you to Jesus? Or did Jesus come find you? Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Not with your eyes just reading on the pages of Scripture, but with the eyes of your heart, you have seen the Lamb of God. You have seen the Messiah. You have seen the promised King. Have you seen Him? That's, that, that's a really important question for all of us to be able to answer. My hope is we could all say yes, and together, yes, we, as a, we see Jesus for who Jesus is, for who Jesus intends for humanity to see Him. To, that's, that's, we see Him. Then I'm back to my question again. What do we do with that? Well, what happened in this story? Everybody that saw Jesus for who Jesus is made an announcement. Did you notice the announcements? And then I've got to ask us as a community, what is our announcement to our generation? What are we announcing to our family and to our friends? There is the Lamb of God. Another way to say that, we found a solution to sin. I don't, I don't know of a single person that hasn't at some point discovered that there's a mechanism within us that leads us toward destruction. I, I mean, I've got a longer his, a history of messing up rather than doing well. I mean, there, I, I, need, I came to an end in myself, and I needed help. And part of that was I needed the power of sin and that, that influence to break in my life. So I started doing things that were constructive rather than destructive. Now, each of us gets to that place at a different time. But if we get to that place and we basically say, you know, life isn't working so well for me. Our message to our generation is, well, there is one that is the solution to that. And it doesn't matter what kind of destruction has been going on. Our job is not to point out the sins of our generation. Our job is to say when people are at a place of saying, you know, this life's not working so well for me. I'm looking back at my life and there's just this trail of destruction. Is there anything that can help me? We can say, yes, there is. I have yet, and and life's not over for me. I, I got 40 more years. I'm counting on 40 more years. But up to this point in my life, I have never run into somebody that I needed to tell them, you're a sinner. The people that I interact with already know something's not quite right in my life. For example, we've had a neighbor living together for years, out of matrimony. We did not give him a cold shoulder. We didn't hold up signs saying you're living in sin. We just were neighbors. And, and truthfully, they were better neighbors to us than we were them. 
in all honesty. And then the day came that he proposed to her. And there was this little conversation at our fence, showing off the ring. And my neighbor says to Susan and me, I'm, we're, you know, we got engaged, we're going to get married. And she said, you, you know, we've been living in sin. <laughs> News to me. I didn't need to deliver that message. Our message is a message of forgiveness. Father, forgive us as we forgive the sins of others. There is the Lamb of God. There is the solution for sin in humanity. That's the announcement we have for our generation. Oh, that we would give that announcement. We have found the Messiah. I mean, have you noticed... Most governments on the planet are broken. How long are we going to put all of the eggs in a basket called government and discover it's not working? When the Messiah comes, the government will rest upon his shoulders. The responsibility will be on his shoulders. The only government that's going to work with humanity is the kingdom of God. That's it. Now, we should still be good citizens. We should should participate. But we should not think that those that we elect are going to be our Messiah, because they're not. And the policies, they're not. There's one Messiah, Jesus. That's our announcement to this world. There's one Messiah, Jesus. And things don't have to stay the same on the planet. We don't have to keep hating each other. We don't have to keep going to war. We don't have to keep doing that stuff. We've seen someone that changes the age to something better. That's our message. We've discovered the one that fulfills the prophecies of the Old Testament. We've seen the Son of God, the King. That's our announcement. If we see Him for who He is, this is our announcement to our generation. And the final question all this brings me to is just, who are we going to invite to come and see? Come and see what I have seen. Who are we we going to bring to Jesus? Now, bringing people to church is not the same as bringing people to Jesus. Bringing people to meetings sometimes does more damage than bringing them to Jesus. You know, we're not always at our best. I mean, it would be good if we would be. I mean, it'd be great if people came and you brought and they saw Jesus. They see what we, that'd be great. But I don't, want, I, don't want to confuse, I don't want to confuse the message. The message is invite people to come and see Jesus. Invite people to come to know Jesus. What happens after that will include the gathering of people that know Jesus. But it's not about bringing people to church. It's about bringing family and friends to Jesus. 
So I have one hope for the new year. Maybe one public hope. I'll have many others. But I have a hope for our community. My hope is that as we see Jesus for who he is, each of us will bring one other person this year to Jesus. That each of us would invite one other human being to come and see. Come and see Jesus. That's how I think we can benefit humanity in our generation. That's the best thing we can do for the people around us. Come and see Jesus. Then we end with this promise. When Nathaniel, you know, you know, Jesus, you know, I mean, I just saw you under the fig tree. You're going to see a lot more than that. I really think that that promise is for us as well. So that, my prayer is that we'll see a lot more. <laughs> that we'll see a lot more. Which would result in more and more people seeing Jesus. So would you like to stand with me? And we'll just kind of commit ourselves maybe to this course. Jesus, we want to see you for who you are. We don't want to interpret you. We don't want to form you, mold you into somebody we think you ought to be. We want to see you for who you are. We want to see you for who you revealed yourself to be. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and to give us a glimpse of Jesus. I invite you to come and to remove any blinders we might have that keep us from seeing Jesus for who he is. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we see Jesus, that you would give to us individually and also as a community, that you would give us an announcement for our generation. Give us an announcement. We've seen Jesus for who he is. Now we announce to our friends, to our neighbors, to our family members, to our generation, this is the Lamb of God. This is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. I pray, O Lord, that as we make that announcement, that the thing that we'll commit ourselves to individually and as a community is bringing people to you. Come and see Jesus. This is our invitation, Lord, to the lost, the least, the broken, to humanity. Come and see Jesus. So Holy Spirit, put that on our heart and put that person on our heart that sometime in the new year that we'll bring at least one person to you. Thank you that we can leave the rest up to you. Thank you for this season to celebrate who you are. May you continue to bless our gatherings, our Christmas season, in your name. Amen.